my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I spoke to Laura from Plus Size Pregnancy and we talked all about what pregnancy and labour and maternity care is often like for people who are in a larger body and how often they're options are limited and we sort of talked a bit about what those options are, uh, the sort of things that might get told to you and actually what your rights are when it comes to giving birth and um, you know in about trusting your instincts and listening to your body and doing what you feel comfortable with no matter what size body you are in. So this has actually been a largely requested episode so it was just really great to speak to Laura. It was actually a while ago now we spoke, we spoke back in the summer, I remember it was a really hot day uh, which now that we're in November and in autumn feels like forever ago. Uh, So it's a a pleasure to finally be releasing this episode and actually it had been a while since I'd listened to it back so listening to, to it back was really great as well. So I really hope you enjoy it, I will play it now. So hello Laura, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Thank Thanks for coming on and yeah if you could introduce yourself to the listeners. Um, Hi I'm Laura from Plus Size Pregnancy. I started Plus Size Pregnancy in January of this year. I did run a different hypnobirthing business before but it wasn't I wasn't feeling it and then during my second pregnancy with my daughter I realised well which was a plus size pregnancy I realised there's not really anywhere where there's just a whole load of information just for us and it's a bit hard to find actual statistics just for us so um, I thought I'd become that place to go and teach my own plus size friendly hypnobirthing courses I love that here I am here you are so yeah hypnobirthing teacher as well and I think that it's so important to have that like support for everybody and specifically if like one group of people are being uh, like marginalized with things then it's even more important to have somewhere that they can go to get that information because yeah there's a lot of uh stuff that gets said isn't there much of which I'm sure we'll talk about um so yes exactly I know um so it's great that there's that resource available for people as well so obviously what I want to talk to you about today is plus size pregnancy I've actually been asked for an episode on this a few times um before and I think obviously it's a great thing to talk about um to raise awareness and to let people know why it's a lot of rubbish and uh you know their options and how they can navigate their way through any of those kind of tricky conversations that they might end up having so firstly just to talk about what are the issues so if somebody has got a is it a bmi over is it 30 yeah usually yeah so bmi over 30 classes somebody as uh, a plus size uh, pregnancy so what are the issues that that person might face when they first go to their antenatal appointments? What are the things that they might get told, basically? So when you go to your first booking in appointment with the midwife, um, you're asked a million questions. It feels like you're there forever. You have to go through all of your health or your, you know, the father's health or the other parent's health, however you want to word it. Mm-hmm. Um have to go through all of that. And at one point they will probably say to you, oh, just slip off your shoes and step on the scales for me. And that's where things can change Um, because that's when they can work out your BMI using your weight and your height. 
and they have policies in place for people of a certain BMI and above. So that's when your care may go down a different path to what you would have done if they didn't know your BMI. Yeah. Um, so that can be things like they might say to you, you're under consultant-led care because of your BMI. They will probably want to book you in for a gestational diabetes test. They might want to book you in for additional growth scans. And they'll talk to you about how people in bigger bodies tend to have bigger babies. But then some people are also told people in bigger bodies are, tend to have small babies. I mean, <laughs> there's just no logic to it, is there? So <laughs> they just want to know the size of your baby. Yeah, um, which no one's ever going to know, so till it's born. No. Um, and yeah, and then and from that point onwards, then some people are told they can do things, they can't do things, you must not do things, we won't allow you to do things. So there's lots of things yeah. you may face as a plus-size pregnant person. But I think the biggest thing to remember is that even at that booking in appointment, if they ask you to step on the stairs, you can say no. Yeah, I was going to say that you can you can just refuse. Like yeah, you, you, know, you can can't make refuse. You. Yeah, no is a full sentence. You do not need to justify yourself. You do not need to explain yourself. You just say no. Yeah, yeah. End of that conversation, and they they may try and get you to get on the scales, but again, you can just say no. <laughs> no, that's I do really not want to get on the scales. Though. So important that people know that because it's like with every, I mean, with every maternity, you know, ish, area of maternity care, things just aren't asked like a question are they they're just sort of said like it's something that you have to do so how people don't know that they can say no and like you said as soon as you step on those scales the course of your care just can completely change and some options can be taken away and it's just well they can't be taken away but they they you know it tries to make you feel like you have lost your rights in a way it feels like they are yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so, important. Yeah. That you know that. Yeah. Always know that you can say no to anything. Any suggestion that is made to you is purely that a suggestion, even though they might word it in a way that it sounds like something you have to do. You don't have to do anything. It's your body, your rules, however big your body is. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, it's always up to you to make an informed choice about what, your care. What would then happen if you said no? What do they what happens then? Like what? you know, in terms of, yeah, I've had clients that have had different reactions. (laughs) Um, Like, so one person, so one of my Instagram followers told me for her first pregnancy, she just went with it. She did what she was told. She, of course, they worked out her BMI. They spoke about it at every single appointment, even though she said, I've had a past eating disorder. Please don't discuss my weight with me. They did every appointment. Wow. Second pregnancy, she said, no, I'm not stepping on the scales. And she said it was great because they couldn't bring up her BMI because they didn't know what it was. And everything went how she wanted it to no one said no to anything she just she gave birth how she wanted to she felt completely in control because this time around they couldn't talk about it they haven't got anything to say oh but your bmi is this so yeah they haven't got that they haven't got that number on a piece of paper in your notes yeah which changes to refer to yeah i mean they can make assumptions by looking at your face and looking at you but obviously that's that's really disgusting um but, they can't go off of that, can they? Because, you know, it doesn't tell them anything. Yeah, they haven't got the numbers, even though the numbers are crap anyway. BMI yeah. doesn't measure your health. It doesn't measure your strength. It doesn't measure your bones yeah. or muscles. It was designed for, it was designed in the 1800s by a mathematician to, uh, to like deal with white men. Yeah. <laughs> it's got yeah, nothing exactly. to do with what it's doing today. Yeah. So um, always just remember BMI is crap anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I've, kind of held that view for a a long time anyway in terms of BMI and it's just dangerous when it 
then it's that that they're going off of and that is changing the course of how somebody delivers their baby and, and labors and things like that so um so what are some of the other reactions you've had if if uh, someone has said no have people been uh quite not I don't want to say aggressive about it but you know quite uh yeah yeah, in a way, so people have been told, oh, but we need to weigh you. We have to weigh you. It's something that we have to do. And, and luckily, those people know that you don't have to agree to anything. But, yeah, some people have been told we have to. Another person was told, oh, do it anyway, and I'll just, I'll just cover the piece of paper so you don't have to see it. oh my god Uh, like that's really not the point (laughs) it's not that I don't want to see it (laughs) yeah it's like I don't want you to be a pain in my ass for the next nine months like so yeah different people have had different responses Um, wow yeah sometimes respected sometimes almost like as if the midwife is scared to not get your BMI and put it on the piece of paper so yeah different responses but again just hold your own if you don't want to have it if you don't want to be weighed if don't get weighed just keep saying no or even like in that appointment there so ask to speak to somebody else if you feel like you're being coerced into doing something you don't want to I actually works the other way as well I had I know somebody that I taught she had a lower BMI because she has Crohn's disease and has you Mm. know issues which is why and she was sort of shamed like well your BMI is very low she's like but I can't help it I have I have something wrong with me like that's why yeah. you know that it's written on your piece of paper yet like you know still being shamed and made to feel bad about it and it's yeah like you said a load of rubbish anyway but yeah was- I think that's the biggest thing that people are made to feel like there's something wrong with them and it's their fault and they yeah. have like they've, they've put their baby at risk like it's like just so much like yeah. obviously a midwife generally doesn't know all the ins and outs of that person's life why they are the size they are like yeah. But people are made to feel awful and like they are putting their baby at massive risk. And so then that's an extra stress, which you don't need throughout, yeah. you know, your entire pregnancy. And then obviously birth as well. You don't need any of that. Um, so that's one of the biggest problems, how people are made to feel because of their body. And they then, it, then you know, that first appointment or even if it's not straight away at the first appointment, but those early like weeks, so early appointments, they really do change how you then see your labour going and they <clears throat> really can set your labour up on a certain path, can't they? Especially, I think, if you're first time because you really don't have any idea. Like, you don't know, like, what labour's like. So, and if you're not informed and you've not, people, they don't tell you that. They don't tell you that you can have options for things and things like that. They just tell you one side, don't they? So for, and I actually was talking about it when, with somebody else a little while ago that for first time mums and birthing people they often don't know any difference so they just go along with what they say and like you said in your example of your client the first time around they went along with it and had um, not a good experience and then second time when you really take back control it can be much more positive so yeah it's all about kind of yeah knowledge is power and knowing that you can say no and they should really have more responsibility for how they're making people feel um in those early yeah stages. definitely yeah what? definitely because I'd, I'd often talk about like the choice of language yeah because it is a choice at the end of the day, like a healthcare professional could use better words yeah because surely sometimes they must know the words they're saying are really quite horrible yeah so it is yeah. it is a choice of their language and sometimes they need to be reminded that yeah they're actually hurting another human being with their words it's just not not acceptable in any other time in in life is it but no, for some no. reason, I think when it comes to having babies, it, every, it's like a free for all. Everyone's allowed to say what they want. 
and have yeah. their opinions on on everything and actually that's not accepted in any other any yeah. other time yeah in, in, like for plus size people in general statistically they're less likely to access healthcare so yeah. that's in maternity and in general so there's a lot of like like you know we always talk about or the press and media and even doctors everyone talks about how like being plus size is bad for you because it causes this 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 okay but these people are not accessing healthcare as well as they could be or as well as you know they can but they don't want to because they're scared yeah because yeah, so they don't want to be have put, yeah shamed yeah. yeah so they perhaps have poorer outcomes because they're not accessing the healthcare or they're not even getting the good healthcare they deserve because of labels and this and that and the other that's attached to them as well and then so, that poor outcome goes on to that statistic, doesn't it? And makes it exactly. even worse. Yeah. yeah so, so what are the, what are some of the other like issues? So what things might they say that you can't do basically if you are a plus size? Big one is you can't use a birth pool. That's <laughs> one I hear a lot. You can't birth in water and they normally come out with things like, oh, because if we need to get you out, we won't be able to get you out. I've heard that one before. That is just shocking. That, yeah, and the other one is in case so we won't be able to monitor the baby. Both of those are absolute nonsense, and it's making assumptions about your body. It's making an assumption that because you're bigger, you're therefore going to get in trouble and not be able to get out of the pool, or you're magically going mysteriously out and nowhere become unconscious, so they have to drag you out. How often does that happen to anybody of any size? <laughs> right, exactly. Birth? And then also they're making the assumption that they'll need to monitor the baby. And... Also, I think using those, like, especially monitoring the baby as an example as why you can't, anyone, like all of us want the best for our baby. Obviously, we want a great outcome from our birth. So we're not going to go, actually, no, I'm going to stay in the water so you can't look after my baby. Like, you know, if the baby needs monitoring, if there's a good reason for it, a medical reason for it, people will get out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's almost implying that you can't make a decision that's best for you and your baby because you're in a bigger body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which makes no sense. No, it's just a bit, it's it's like almost infantizing plus size people as though you're unable to make rational, healthy choices that are good for you you and your baby. But also they might, even somebody that's not plus size, they they monitor them in the pool. Like, what's the difference? I have a home birth and they have waterproof dopplers like they can do it what's the difference they just being difficult like (laughs) it's just policies in place that for generally 30 like a bmi of 30 and above policies in place that are trying to avoid litigation just in case something happens it's just speculation it's just assumptions it's just like defensive defensive medicine yeah so yeah so often yeah i've desperately searched and searched and searched for statistics that back up these policies like you know like if there was a massive percentage more of plus size people suddenly becoming unconscious in birth pools and drowning or whatever then okay fine i understand your policy there are no statistics so it's all just someone gone hmm what if they pass out oh my god what if they pass out so it's just like just been pulled out of the air (laughs) it's based on their opinion of what they think could happen so I mean that's a lot of it I think the most of the policies they have in place isn't it in maternity they're just based off of opinions and not actual facts Um, yeah and if if you follow someone like Meg Boggs who is plus size but a weightlifter you know like incredibly strong incredibly healthy she could probably you know pick up the birth pool full of water and throw it out a window like to to assume that just because someone like her has got a higher bmi she she's not strong enough to get out of water yeah no (laughs) just no (laughs) so that's one of the big things that people get told that you're one of them yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, but also another one is um, that you can't birth in an MLU, so a midwife-led unit. So obviously we will have a choice of where we give birth, so home, labour ward, MLU. But MLUs have policies. They are allowed to say no. So um, generally, for most places, it's if you've got a BMI of 35 or above. But again, it varies from trust to trust, from place to place. Sometimes you can obviously ask for an appointment with like the lead midwife of the MLU and, you know, have a conversation about why you think you should be able to birth there um, and things like that. Sometimes that might just be a flat out, no, we're not taking you. Sometimes, yeah, you can get in. Again, it varies from place to place and from whoever you talk to. But that's another one that people, obviously, a lot of people love an MLU because it's the in-between, isn't it? It's in-between like a home environment and a hospital environment. But yeah, lots of people get told no. And what is the reason? Do they give a reason for why? Not really. Just that, it, like, again, like assumptions that you're high risk because you're in yeah. a bigger body. And obviously in MLUs also tend to have birth pools. So the same thing comes up. You can't birth in water. Oh so all of that. Or, and, you know, uh, like, oh, but we might have to transfer you, even though it might only be downstairs. <laughs> it's like, you know, just, just more assumptions being. Everybody has to. Everybody has to transfer into the hospital anyway at some point if they're giving birth in hospital. Like, yeah. even if they've come from home, they have to transfer themselves in, right? Um, yeah. We don't live in hospitals, as far as I know. <laughs> so that's a really yeah. bad reason, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit ridiculous. But those those ones come up a lot. And just being told that, like, even loads of people are told they can't have a home birth or we won't support your decision for a home birth. But again, midwives are obligated yeah. to attend a home birth. So if they're telling you you can't, they are lying to you <laughs> and at the moment I think there there's a lot of places using we don't have enough midwives COVID COVID being used almost as an excuse to not support people but then you are within your legal rights to ask them to hire a private midwife yeah <laughs> if they're, yeah. they're yeah. going to play that game so yes you can have a home birth well and so the reasons for home birth again are just because they're deemed as high risk yeah um, so again just, these, just this word high risk yeah, that's, that's it. Like generally, high, and when, yeah, and they've even said. Um, so I had a client the other week who was told she can't have a home birth, or they used those words that I just said. We can't support your decision to have a home birth because what if you pass out in the water? We're going to have to stab the birth pool with a knife. Then stab it with a knife. <laughs> What's I've, the I've, problem? They burst it. <laughs> I have heard similar things like that. Like, and I've I've read like threads with comments like that and say, but when like when has that ever happened before? When has anyone ever had to burst a birth pool so that somebody could get out? It just yeah doesn't happen like I, I did have someone yeah someone um on instagram the other day actually uh, i think she commented on one of my posts or messaged me i can't remember but she said that she wanted to birth in water so she agreed to do a risk assessment while she was pregnant showing that she could get in and out of a birth pool and she then had to do it again while she was in labor and luckily she had a great birth she had a really positive experience she got the birth that she wanted however when i hear that i think that's yeah. so demeaning just because of your bmi yeah. climb in and out of a pool to prove that you can do it prove they wouldn't ask that of anyone of any other size but I she had a great experience so great but still yeah. it's amazing like it's in spite of that she had a great experience which is great some yeah. people someone else that might have completely you know put them back and and set them off of course yeah, so having to perform that yeah. like because that's what it is it's like a performance show like you're having to prove yourself while you're yeah. in labor it's degrading and yeah. in and out yeah it is like incredibly so so basically people I guess feel like they're left with not many options other than to be in the 
uh, labor ward. So the um, obstetrics unit, which is where there's more intervention and things like that. So of course that then adds to the statistics, which then makes yeah. their point they're proving even more, even though it doesn't, yeah. but, you know, for their, for their sake. Um, what else? Is there anything else that typically induction rates, things like that, like, you know, going past a certain date? Yeah, that's another big one as well. Almost everyone seems told or, yeah, told that their appointments, oh, we're going to book you in for an induction because we can't let you go past 40 weeks. So, that, again, this kind of language is completely normalised. Yeah. And, yeah, and completely unacceptable. They they have no right to, to like, to a book an appointment without you saying, oh, yes, please, because you're not giving informed consent. They don't really explain why they can't let you go past 40 weeks. So, again, no, you're not making an informed choice because you don't have the information. And why? What, like, why can't we go past 40 weeks? What, what is that? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah induction the reason? There isn't one. <laughs> having some form of control over it. Yeah, like, look at the nice guidelines. That, well, the, the proposed nice guidelines that were, you know, yeah. we were all kicking off about a, like, yeah. a little while ago. So, again, if you've got BMI over 30, we'll induce you at 39 weeks. It's just getting earlier and earlier and earlier, isn't it? Just yeah, I think like, they'll be doing it at, like, 37 soon because, you know, yeah, like, right. oh, you're at term now, let's get the baby out. Yeah. But... Yeah. yeah it's just it's just yeah lots of people feel like they've just had their choices taken away from them and they feel like they have to just do what they're told so again like lots of people ask me why have I got an appointment with an anesthetist and it's because again they're making an assumption that you're going to need an epidural and therefore they want to check your back to see that they will be able to insert it because you're in a bigger body so it's, it's so just it's standard yeah a letter will turn up at your house saying you've got an appointment with an anesthetist and people are like but why yeah. Say, yeah. Because they're making assumptions about your body that you're going to need an epidural. It's so you're going to need some kind of spinal because you're going to need a cesarean. It, yeah, it's very, it's horrible to hear. And yeah, I imagine awful to experience. Like you just, every step of the way you are being yeah degraded and your choices are being made for you and yeah, being made to feel like you are something different um yeah. based on this made up number so you talked briefly about why bmi is a bit of a rubbish bit is rubbish basically anything else to add to that because i also agree obviously that bmi is a load of rubbish yeah just that it was invented by a white guy in the 1800s who was doing basically working out stuff to do with white male bodies he himself said it is not to be used to measure health here we are yeah. <laughs> like 200 years later and it's being used as a measurement of health. And it's spoken about with everything, every, like when he's like, whenever you see someone in the newspaper, who's, you know, in a bigger body or has put on some weight, they talk about BMI dieting, this, that, and the other, like, but BMI literally has never been meant to be used in this way ever, ever. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. you know, the guy who created it said, don't do this yet. We're doing it. <laughs> it seems really, really <laughs> silly. Yeah, it's just absolute nonsense. So remember that it doesn't take into account your health, your strength, your muscle mass, your bones, your genetics. No. It doesn't take into account any of that, any like pre-existing conditions. You've got nothing. It doesn't, BMI is nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. It's pointless. So if you do want to say, no, I'm not going to be weighed at your booking in appointment, it's absolutely acceptable because BMI is rubbish. <laughs> it doesn't tell them anything. It just it almost enables them to make assumptions about you, which aren't true. I think that's probably the biggest thing for people to take away. Like, I mean, it depends, I suppose, at what point in their pregnancy they listen to this episode um, because maybe they might have already 
been on the scales but I think that's probably the biggest thing to take away is that just don't do it in the first place yeah don't do it in the first place yeah it's not going to do anything positive for you it's just going to yeah kind of take they take the control out of your your own pregnancy and your labor as well which I think yeah. is the, the biggest thing to, to yeah understand. and even if they want to try and weigh you so again I've had a few clients who have then seen in their notes that it says weigh at every appointment so they want to monitor your weight throughout pregnancy. So if they do look, if they do want to weigh you again at some later point, again, say no. Or even if you did say yes, then you can say no now. You can say yeah. no to anything at any point. So yeah. because sometimes, so you, yeah. again, people with a higher BMI are told like, oh, you've put on too much weight. You need to start. You need, like, we, we're going to refer you to a dietitian. We're going to do this, 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 this. You're growing a human and a placenta and water. <laughs> like, yeah. you need to eat. And you shouldn't be scared during pregnancy of all times in your life. Yeah. to eat to listen to yeah. your body what your body needs so um yeah just say no <laughs> to being yeah. weighed if that if that if that feels right for you say no to being weighed yeah I think that's a uh, that's very good advice um so in terms of so you know for somebody who is plus size going through their pregnancy they want to you know give birth at home they want to have a water birth Obviously, we know that's all perfectly fine, but like, where can people go and find these stats? I know you said there's not a load out there, but like, if people are wanting to do that, but perhaps they're still feeling a bit nervous about being at home or being, you know, birthing in water because of these other things we hear, how can we reassure them that it, it's safe? I think just do a hip birthing course <laughs> do, do it like, you, know, you, you could do mine like but then i might not be the right teacher for you do anybody's yeah. do, find a hip birthing course where the instructor is someone you connect with who you feel great talking to who makes you feel empowered um you know and helps you to step into your own power because i think if you're doing a hip birthing course then you're not just learning about lovely breathing techniques if you keep calm you're learning about how to become informed not just from the course by itself but how to get the information yourself um, you've got your instructor there to support you to have your back to share information with you too so you've I think just definitely get as educated and prepared as possible especially as a plus size pregnant person because they tend to throw pretend statistics at you or they'll say things like there's an increased risk of blah and then mm. when you say to them okay can you tell me where you know the evidence for this is or can you point me you know in the direction of some studies so I can read more about it they can't most of the time or if you even ask okay so what's the there's so increased from what to what and that can they could say oh 50 percent and you know they think oh my god 50 percent okay fifth what but what's the what are the numbers oh zero point zero 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 one percent like chance 50 percent so that zero zero point zero what (laughs) yeah (laughs) i know yeah 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 so they use like dangerous language which is yeah it's coercive again it's like coercing people into making decisions that they they feel are right for you when statistics are actually showing is not really anything different I always say that as well that you they give you the scary percentage figure like 50% increase and of course anybody that just takes that at face value that's scary and 50% increase in anything that's bad is doesn't sound good to me so I would be like oh of course book me in for an induction but actually when you dig deeper and you find out the actual stat, yeah, it might increase by 50%, but it's tiny anyway. So that increase. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was researching shoulder dystocia not that long ago. 
and oh my goodness <laughs> so again like shoulder dystocia they're like oh your baby's measuring big oh we have to induce you because of shoulder dystocia or you've got gestational diabetes so we need to induce you because your baby might be big because of shoulder dystocia god but then when you actually read statistics it's like 51 percent of babies that or are born with shoulder dystocia may have measured big 49% and I'm pretty sure it's even actually even closer than that 1%. Yeah I think it's pretty even. Yeah it's almost like a, a pretty much 50-50 like then the other 50% are babies that are born not measuring anything different. Yes. <laughs> shoulder dystocia happens so essentially it can bloody happen to anybody is what the yeah. moral of the story is. So small, it happens then, to small babies and big babies. Yeah, yeah just it happens to babies it's a normal it's clearly an absolutely normal part of birth and and it's something that can be easily dealt with it's not I actually um in the last episode of this podcast I actually did a um spoke to somebody about birth uh, her she told her birth story um and she actually did have a bigger baby at home who actually had shoulder dystocia um so they talked to her about it in her pregnancy but we obviously in the episode were talking about how it can happen to all all babies um yeah. but she was at home she knew that it could be dealt with at home and it did happen but it was fine the midwife dealt with it it wasn't scary she felt very calm it was it was fine these things can yeah. be dealt with fine at home and we were talking about if she'd been in a hospital environment and that had happened, the red button would have been pressed. Yeah. Of people would have charged into her room and it would have been a completely different, very scary experience. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Cause it could be as simple as changing position, getting up on all fours. Like yeah. it could be, it could be something as simple and straightforward as that. So I think again, just being educated about, okay, if it does happen, what can you do? What can like your birth partner, doula, whoever's around you help you to do to resolve that yeah. situation quickly? And it's, yes, no more likely in, uh, you know, plus size people, bigger babies, uh, smaller babies, you know, it just happens. Yeah. Just something that sometimes happens, not that often, but sometimes it does and it can be dealt with, but it's used as something very scary to try and. Yeah, it's used people. to make you think like, oh, my God, they're going to get stuck. Yeah. So like how often is that heard they're going to get stuck? But they get like, again, shoulder dystocia in general is very, very rare yeah. and again pretty much 50 50 of who it's going to happen to so it could happen it can be dealt with but yeah it's used as a scare tactic so 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 often nobody likes to hear the word stuck when it comes to childbirth so no you don't want to think about (laughs) stuck vagina baby stretching anything like that yes those words no no not at all yeah unfortunately yeah they do get used so I actually had a question from somebody on my Instagram who um asked Um, And I think we know the answer to this based off of what we have just talked about, but I'll ask you. Um, She said, can I still go to 42 weeks to await spontaneous labour when my BMI is above 35? Yes. As with everything (laughs) in your pregnancy, you make the decisions. They may try to convince you otherwise. Again, it's coercion. Again, it's wrong. There are other things they can do to make sure that you and your baby are okay. So you can go in regularly for monitoring, things like that. But you can absolutely go however long you need to. And I think the most important thing is that they, yes, so their their job to tick their boxes is to get you booked in so that you're neatly done. You know, you're you're off their yeah. list, you're kind of sorted, you're out the system. And um, so they, of course, would will talk to you about scary stuff. Um, yeah. And the really important thing that everyone should do is, like we said, just get the actual stats and ask yeah. for what the actual risk is, not just the scary your chances of this happening are 50% more if you if you go to 42 weeks. Like you need to know what the actual stats are because that's so yeah. vague. That is not enough. 
to know you know what you know you can't yeah, make a decision off of that and then yeah only only you like the the person can make their choice it's very personal somebody might even if it's a really tiny risk increase be really not comfortable with it um, yeah. somebody else might be fine and that's totally fine of course you know it's up to it's personal so yeah the the best thing that they can do is ask questions and do their research yeah definitely and do whatever feels safe to you you don't want to be in labor feeling anxious and worried and again all this tension that in hypnobirthing we know is the devil like we don't <laughs> we don't need any of that so yeah. just we'll, we'll do whatever feels safe to you because yeah. that's important for you to feel completely safe in your environment in your choices in whatever you do surrounding your birth what is there anything else that you think is important for people to to know when it comes to you know their appointments their labor after their labor like anything like that um that you feel like people need to know I think one of the biggest things so like on my course because I've basically written it with you know it's a plus size pregnancy hypnobirthing course so my biggest thing is that you feel confident because I think how you're made, so it doesn't matter to me how your baby comes into the world, whatever choices you make, like, you know, whether you've got, well, you know, birthing under a tree in a field or hospital birth or plant cesarean, whatever. I don't care what you do, as long as you feel like a badass doing it and you feel like it's your birth, you're in control, you're powerful, you've made the right decisions for you, your baby, your body. So I think an important thing for plus size pregnant people is to know how to advocate for yourself because unfortunately there's very few people who go through their whole pregnancy being treated as they should be unfortunately so I think just knowing that you can say no knowing that you can ask questions knowing that there is information out there knowing that you you can do this with confidence like you can say you can remind healthcare providers that the language they're using is coercive that they are manipulating you that's it's rude if you've asked not to speak about your weight and they're still doing it it's rude it's disrespectful at the end of the day we love to talk about how amazing the nhs is and it is it's amazing we're in a really really great position in this country where we have it but they are providing you with a service we also talk about how it's free it's free at point of use it's not free because we pay national insurance and tax so you're paying for a service of care and you deserve that care and you deserve to have your choices and your rights as a birthing and pregnant person respected from day one till beyond your pregnancy. That's what I would say. <laughs> also, and I, I'm sure I've said this numerous times on my podcast because I feel like I always say this, but if you were going to get a cosmetic procedure and you were maybe paying for it privately, you would never accept that from somebody. If you were saying that you wanted to have your nose done in this certain way and everyone was like, oh, you can't do that, or like, oh, judge, you know, basically commenting on your choices, your decisions, you would never accept that. But I think it's, we so, we just accept it because obviously everybody wants the best for their baby. And I think the thing is, we think that these healthcare people, and, you know, probably a lot of them do, but we think that they all have our best interests at heart. And actually, the system doesn't really work like that. It's a very overcrowded system. It's a you know conveyor belt of care because that's how it has to work because it is so overcrowded. So although I think we put so much faith in the fact that they have our best interests at heart, 
they don't they you know they are they are doing their job which is you know saying all the things they need to say and ticking boxes it's only you know it's ourselves that need to put ourselves first so yeah like you said yeah if you are not happy with how you're being spoken to and I also tell people to just be annoying and I know it's hard to say and it's very hard for you know particularly British people who are very polite and don't want to upset anybody to say like these things back and to say can you change your language could you stop talking about my weight I've asked you not to it's hard for us to do that right but like be the person where they leave the room and they go oh god it's so annoying (laughs) well thank you so much it's been so cool talking to you I've really enjoyed it and I know (laughs) as I said I've had some requests for uh, this episode so I know people are going to find it so helpful Um, and it gets listened to all over the world so obviously we've talked mainly about our system because that's the system we know but I'm sure it's very similar in lots of other countries um, in terms of how their systems work as well Um, and I'm sure it's the same story so it's important for everybody that they um, you know they know that they have options and things like that where where can people find you um if they want to check out your courses they want to follow you on instagram where can they find you um so my instagram is just plus size pregnancy or one word uh, so you can find me over there there's links in my bio to my website so there's my courses on there um uh, if i have upcoming tasters they'll be on there too um but yeah you can find find me on instagram i'm on facebook as well but i tend to be more active on instagram yeah. um and if you have any questions i'm always open to speaking to you i don't think that i'm just going to go uh, well as long as you pay me i'm not gonna, you know i'm not going to answer your question like just dm me if you have a question about something i'm not going to say anything horrible to you <laughs> perfect thank you so much and yeah thank thanks for coming on and talking to me i've loved it yeah thank you for having me thank you i'll speak to you soon thanks bye 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 Thank you so much to Laura for coming and speaking to me about such an important topic. Uh, Hopefully a lot of you will find that useful. I know personally I learned a lot from talking to Laura, um, so hopefully you guys did as well. As always, if you would like to get in touch, I will leave all of my details below. I'll leave Laura's details below as well so you can check her out. Um, I'm going to leave details of my courses. I, just as a reminder, have my essentials course, which is a condensed version of my full course. It's three hours of pre-recorded content and um, it's a watch in your own time at your own pace type thing. So um, it really is perfect for anybody who has a little bit less time on their side or for people that are just generally busy for people who are in other countries that perhaps can't make the time of my live courses so I will leave details of all of those courses below for you and I will be back in two weeks time with another episode until then goodbye